This Monday night, it's the 17th, 17th of October, 2022, and we are barreling towards something. Barreling towards something with Screamin' Jay. Okay, so, what are we going to be doing this week? Oh, boy. Oh, dear me, oh, my. So much to be done. Uh, as for tonight, we're going to have Rich Barris coming on in the first half. In the first half of the show, it's going to be a, a quick appearance, maybe about a half hour. Or so we're just taking it to the top of the hour with Rich. Uh, Want to get an update on several things that are most I, people, you guys and gals, sub- submitted a lot of really great questions. I guess th- I just went to the most asked ones, and uh, we'll we'll get to that, and then we'll do a full throated big show like we usually do next Monday the 24th and then we have Rich on again on November 7th the day before the election so plenty of coverage we got plenty of time with the man behind the numbers the real numbers now uh, how the rest of the world you know how, how reality the last thing that we see, whether or not his numbers are confirmed in any way, shape, or form, that is, uh, that, I don't know, that, that that's left up to a number of factors. I'm sure you can all, <laughs> you, you can all assume what I'm talking about, but we'll see. Everything's always going to be contested. And election night, maybe election week, and maybe election month. You just don't know anymore. But in the second half of tonight's show, we have some information about public school uh, sexual sexual assault that everyone should know about because it's something I've driven home for a long time, and uh, and I think it'll be very important to um, to note. Very important stuff. I also would like to say that this morning, the morning show, the show that I do on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays with Tracy. Uh, that that is usually pre-recorded, and I always said this should be recorded live in the morning, so it's a morning show. I've always called it a morning show, but it's not a morning show if you don't get the product until 3 p.m. Well, guess what? Today was the first Monday morning of the morning show at 8.30 a.m. on the Uncovered DC Rumble, and it was a lot of fun. It felt fresh, it felt good, and now that satisfies something I've always wanted to do. I always wanted to be able to go grab a cup of, cup of coffee, go out on the back porch with a with the uh, so either a newspaper or some articles set aside on my iPad and just do a little morning stream. It's just hard for me to do that with all the writing I do and everything else that I'm juggling over here. But now that Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8:30 a.m. are going to be a live show on the Uncovered DC Rumble, I mean this is great. 
So I will be sure to share those links as we go live on Telegram and in the Discord. So uh, just letting you know, there's that. And then if you want to hear the uh, pre-record, you go to to uh, radioinfluence.com. I also did a podcast today. Or well, I mean, it was recorded in a radio format. It was great with Ryan Gable. So uh, Ryan Gable, the the host of the Secret Teachings, he, he was on the show with me a couple of weeks ago. You all really loved him. We talked about the we talked about uh, synchronicity and the 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 British monarchs and all that other stuff. I did a show with him today about the destruction of art, all the the weird protracted. Uh, it's just it's just been a, it was a good time. Really was a good time. And that is going to be out on his show on Wednesday. So that was done today. I want to thank my sponsors, BlueMonsterPrep.com. I will continue to say it is the best thing you can do for yourself and for others, especially if you're, you're out there shopping for Christmas right now. They do have gift cards at Blue Monster Prep. So give somebody a little bit of store credit for BlueMonsterPrep.com. And get them started on their prepping. Oh, I always wanted to start. I just don't know what to do. All right. Well, here's $100. You don't know where to go? Call the call Pat and Gina. And uh, for, for $100, I'm sure you can start something. And just say, wow, this is my little pile of stuff. Let's make it bigger gradually. So I don't have to worry about food and water and anything else. At least not as much. So thank you, Blue Monster Prep, for always being there for the last uh, couple of years now. Fan favorite through and through. I've never heard anything, anything bad said about them. Only people helped and impressed by the customer service. Promo code, frankly. All right. Uh, let's see here. Bill Altman, Minds.com will be in tomorrow night. That'll be fun. We'll talk about censorship and and uh, the updates on Twitter and Elon Musk and all that stuff. That'll be fun. Uh, on Wednesday night, Roseanne Barr will be on the show. That one's going to be not on YouTube. Not on YouTube. You know how, how cyclical the news cycle is? We get a little bit of climate change for a time. We get hit over the head with that. Then you get guns. There's a, a rash of school shootings. That all stops until the next batch of three or four happen all in a row. Then we move on to something else. It, it's very cyclical. You can almost set your, your watch to most of it. Well, another thing that you can set your watch to is, uh, you know, uh, anti-Semitic wars, everybody using anti-Semitism as a bludgeon to kill their political opponents with. And boy, oh boy, yeah, the, the headlines the past couple of, I'd say the last week and a half is Jew this, Jew that. And Roseanne loves talking about Jews. So, um, I mean, it should, you would think it'd be a safe conversation, her being a Jew and all. But uh, it, it may go places, so it will only be doing the opening on YouTube that night. And then on Thursday of this week, Kathy O'Brien, who is actually a good friend of Roseanne, she'll be on to talk about um, our MK Ultra <clears throat> mental conditioning that may be going on to accept another bullshit election for the midterms. And also how SRA survivors can have exorcisms backfire and have all of their programming and things made work. It's going to be a good one on Thursday night. Friday night, we got Timothy Alberino talking about cryptids, cat people, dog-headed people, biblical age angels maybe. We'll get into all that. And there you have it. And then we're off for the weekend and we come back with Rich Barris again. 
Who could ask for more? Two weeks in a row of rich? Man, oh man. I'm a lucky guy. Um, I want to call attention. <clears throat> Where this tickle in my throat came from all of a sudden. Give me a moment, please. I'd like to call attention to a couple of threads that I put up on the website. Well, one that I put up on the website, which was a, um, which is, was inspired by a friend of ours in the audience. I believe her name is Jennifer. And it's a new one about the woolly mammoth, the CIA's intention to resurrect the woolly mammoth. And I think this is going to be a great show whenever we do it. Uh, where is it? The CIA wants to bring back the woolly mammoth. Yay, nay, and why? Why yes? Why no? So it's all there. All of the materials you need to know. All the materials you need for understanding the story, the ethical challenges, something that came from uh, the user, the audience member, Jennifer. Another one that already came in from Mike from Maryland. And um, and yeah, though there's already a couple more. So get on that because I think it's, it's much more than just the woolly mammoth. It's about the ethics of <clears throat> resurrecting dead species. Especially if the species is gone because of human, because of human impact. I mean, we we go into we go into so many different types of uh, mind-numbing conversations about the extent of human impact of this and that. But there is also just nature, nature, running its course. But what about where we do make impacts? So that's going to be a good one because it's going to expand beyond just the woolly mammoth. Though it's going to beg the question: Where do you put it? Where do you put them? What, there's so many things there. So go and check that out. There's also another awesome topic on the forum. It has not got a lot of attention. I think it was put there by uh, Cave Toad. <clears throat> I think it was put there by Cave Toad, and it was called... What is your super... Yeah, there it is. No, no, Crude IT Guy. Sorry, Cave Toad. I saw you somewhere in there, too. Um, what is your superpower? It's a, it's a great thread. It's up toward the top of the forum. What is your superpower? And I, I, I it has not got a lot of attention, but it would be thrilling if there were more stories like this out there in the audience compiled in this one thread. He puts a, a, a personal story there about a time he was running a 300 meter or something like that in, in track and, um, and just feeling almost like a divine wind for a moment and then suddenly becoming human again. And there's just something about the story that I think is, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I just think it's going to, it's going to trigger something in someone. Do you have something, a superpower? Do you have, is there something about you that you can do that most other people can't? It's going to, I know that we're going to get a lot of snarky, save the snarky stuff for the emails, but if you actually want to contribute to the, to the thread, get on in there. There's something about the story that I just thought was going to inspire something in someone. Remember something. Who knows? All right. All right. That being done and put behind us, there are uh, there was a protest and a counter-protest in New York City that is going to be very near and dear to some of the members in this audience's heart. Viral News NYC covered this. This was going on in Washington Square Park in New York City. I spent quite a bit of time in Washington Square Park. There's always something fun going on there. At least there was. Um, anyway, all these people went out. 
Doesn't look like any of them was wearing body armor, so it must have been a good day in the city over the weekend. And here it is, Washington Square Park, New York City activists chant, birds aren't real. Protesters state the government replaced birds as spy birds with cameras that spy on U.S. citizens. Finally, somebody is talking about the important issues between the birds not being real and what the hell is going on to Skinwalker Ranch. This has been a recurring, did you know, did you know, um, subject on this show, the birds not being real. And that's really the crux of the whole theory that the government or government or, or the the New World Order, they have slowly removed all the real birds and replaced them with robots and they do nothing but spy. Don't ask any questions. Don't ask any questions. You just have to go with this. Here's a short clip of their uh, of their protesting. Birds aren't real. Spies are spies. Uh, that's all I can say. Like, birds during COVID were replaced by government drones. They're no longer real. Okay, these might be, uh, I, I don't know, they may be, they may be co-opted. These might be shills. Because you just heard, first of all, I love, first of all, I love that line. If it flies, it spies. But these may be shills. Because he just said the birds were replaced during COVID. We know that the replacement happened many years before. So there's something wrong here. <laughs> if it flies, it's fine. It's true. It's true, though. It could. Better vantage point. So this guy very uh, courageously put it on out there, what they're there for. It's, it's good. I'm happy that they're, you know, they're excited about something. There was a counter-protest, though. Counter-protests from the Birds Are Real group shows up in Washington Square Park. Like I said, another fun day in New York. Uh, to protest for copyright law. Lo- oh, this is for copyright law. Lo- well, this is from Viral News NY. I was talking to him behind the scenes the other day. Anyway, here is a representative for Birds Are Real. My name's uh, Robert Bella. I'm the president of the uh, Birds Are Real Association. And we're here to protest this nonsense that's going on here. I mean, I get kind of fed up with this. They're, they're starting riots, practically. I don't know if you notice the amount of people down here. You know, you got about a thousand people. I don't know, they're whacked out, they're smoking something, and they're getting tricked and lied to on a daily basis. Be assured, we're going to put an end to this once and for all. I got my name's. It's true. What's his name again? Uh, Robert Bella. Robert Bella. Bob Bella. He's out there to make sure everybody knows. Uh, to make sure everybody knows that there's, there's, the birds are real. So there's a uh, the battle of the minds down there in Washington Square Park. Wanted to let you know, big news over the weekend. Uh, here's some more big news. Christmas Story just released a sequel t- uh, teaser today. That's right. Ralphie, Peter Billingsley, is actually returning as Ralphie. After all these decades, a Christmas story teaser. He's coming back. We already know what we already don't know what the hell this is going to be. What is it? 
Christmas Story is bringing back Peter Billingsley as the air rifle-loving Ralphie, both eyes and glasses intact, but he's all grown up now with a family of his own. When the holidays roll around this time, Ralphie is taking his family back to Cleveland Street House in Indiana to deliver his kids a magical Christmas like the one he had growing up. The first teaser for A Christmas Story Christmas has just arrived online, and while it only gives us a sneak peek of what is to come, it's leaning heavily on how beloved the original movie has become over the years. So obviously, to subvert expectations, uh, Ralphie will have converted to Islam in the 1960s. That's the first thing. Several of his children will be trans. You know, subverting expectations is, is, is the key to filmmaking now. Most of the trailer focuses on lingering shots of the house that Ralphie grew up in with his brother Randy and his parents, the late Darren McGavin and Melinda Dillon, including a shot of the lampshade that used to adorn the soft glow of electric sex that was iconic the leg lamp. We, I have a leg lamp out there in the uh, the green room. I have to actually get a new one, a smaller one, the uh, the 13 inch one, for my desk at home. Whenever I I have a, a proper office set up again, see what hell that happens. But anyway, everybody's coming back. Flick and Schwartz is coming back. Uh, is Scott Farkas coming back? I don't know. And Grover Dill. Well, we'll have to see. When does it come out? A Christmas Story arrives on HBO Max starting on November 17th, 2022. Oh, wait. This is a series? What do you mean starting on November? Oh, oh, well, maybe that's just the day that it began. Okay. That's available. November 17th. So you'll be able to watch it. I, I'm going to have to watch it. <clears throat> going to have to review it. You know? I can't have uh, Critical Drinker have all the fun. What, he's going to have all the fun? I, I should actually get back to doing stuff like that again. Uh, I, I feel like the... Well, no, we do culture in other ways. But I got to get back to doing stuff like that again. Just give people disclaimers so if they want to leave, they can leave. And I just do those, those little segments. I have to talk a little bit about sports broadcasting. All the things that are driving me nuts in, in observing sports broadcasting. I'll save that for the very tail end of tonight's show. But still... Yeah, there's that. <clears throat> okay, here's one more, or I think I have a couple more. Let's see how fast I can do it. This is from the Wall Street Journal. It was not behind a paywall when I got it this morning, but meet the army of robots coming in to fill the gap for scarce workers. Now, it's not scarce. That's the whole thing. They're talking about robots in manufacturing that is uh, <clears throat> that are being introduced in places where they can't find any work. But the work is not scarce. The work has been de-incentivized by design. You have universal basic income. You got a bunch of people who are just becoming comfortable being bottom feeders. You got COVIDitis. Nobody wants to work after COVID now. And the minimum wage pursuits. That always factors into all of this stuff. One way or another, this was going to happen because you have people who are being signed on for these ridiculous crusades to be paid exorbitant amount of money for jobs that just don't deserve it. Jobs that don't deserve it. Not that people are undeserving of living well, but you can't justify the money that people want to get paid to flip burgers. So they're going to find a robot that can flip the burger. It's just, uh, this is not a surprise and... 
but I can't read any of the articles, so whatever. Uh, here's part of the reason why we're going to be doing some stuff on, on Wednesday night with Roseanne. Here, Trump hits out at American Jews and tells them to get their act together and be more like Israelis and appreciate him, but praises wonderful evangelicals for their support. Well, I mean, here's the thing. The American Jew is characterized by someone like Sarah Silverman. The average American Jew is a liberal dunce who wears being Jewish like a costume. Okay, or a punchline, some form of, you know, protection, or I, I don't know what the hell it is. That, that's just what it is. They're, they're, trust me, they're not, um, they're not going to, you know, temple and all that stuff. They, they can give two shits. But when Trump says, get their act together, be more like Israelis, yeah, well, I mean, objectively, Israeli Jews who are out there in the Middle East right now, they have a lot to thank Trump for. A lot. They have a lot to thank him for, and he's been uh, bending over backwards for them since the beginning. That No doubt about it, whereas the American Jew is not, because like I said, there's a difference between the two. On the other hand, wonderful evangelicals, they might as well be Jews from Israel. They are so pro-Israel, they might as well be Israelis. So it's just, it's, it's, you want to talk about carrot and a stick. That's, uh, that's what I have noticed. That's what I've noticed. All right. One more thing here. We had the ghost of Kiev out there in Ukraine. Well, guess what? We have someone else. Ukraine's Joan of Arc. I didn't even know that was a thing. Ukraine's Joan of Arc sniper, Evgenia Emerald, weds a soldier that she met on the front line. See that? There you go. Ghost of Kiev, but with cleavage now. It was a different kind of shotgun wedding. Famed Ukrainian sniper, Evgenia Emerald, known as, for, uh, as, as her country's Joan of Arc, tied the knot with a man she met on the, the start of the Russian invasion. The 31-year-old sniper and fellow soldier, Evan Glee Snipignok, were married Friday near the front line of the war in the ceremony held in a forest in Kharkiv. There you go. Wonderful. And then now she's taking wonderful glamour shots with the tits spilling out over the top of the wedding dress. And we probably paid for every last dime of this wedding. I'm surprised that they didn't produce uh, the entire romance as part of a new television show here in the United States. Whoa. Love Under Fire. The story of Joan of Arc. I'm surprised it didn't. I'm surprised that all we got was a couple of New York Post articles on this. All right, <clears throat> let's get started, because Rich Barris is going to be showing up sometime soon. Don't go anywhere. Oh, I've got one. There's a Mexican, a Jew, and a colored guy go into a bar. The bartender looks up and says, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride!
Yes. <clears throat> so I don't know when the Yankees are getting started. Obviously, I'll have some of my attention split, but you won't know it unless I start screaming for one reason or another out of nowhere. Uh, the Yankees actually tied up the series in Cleveland last night. It should have been over last night because um, they should have won on Saturday. But um, they have a manager that at the end of this season should be left jobless and friendless. But, you know, I'm not in, I'm not in control of the world, so. Because if I did control the world, jobless and friendless. Anyway. 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 Uh, you know who I want to call a little attention to, and ladies and gentlemen, you can send all of your super chats and all of your thoughts to, quite frankly, superchat.com. I cannot wait to get a little bit uh, from you guys and gals as we get through your uh, your submissions in the second half of the show. Now, before we get on to Rich, who I think is just uh, hanging out in the the waiting room over here in Zoom, I got a couple of minutes. I got to say... MIA, the uh, the pop artist. Well, you want to call her pop? I, I don't know. She had a she had a, a there was a couple of years where she was really, really popular and all over the radio. And um, I I used to listen to a little bit of her music, like some of the deeper track stuff, weird shit. But she was always on to something. Uh, you know, always kind of felt new agey and almost like um, I don't know. I don't know. Definitely there was something more there, but I haven't heard from her, though she did come up in conversation with me and my friends a couple of weeks ago, and then all of a sudden I stumble upon her Twitter, which has been pretty interesting lately. If I don't know if you ever heard of MIA. Maybe you haven't, but take a listen to some of these tweets that came out just within the last week alone. I might be the first canceled Twitter user back in 2010 for saying, connected to Google, connected to the government. They forgot. I got different kinds of receipts. Uh, But then it starts getting even better. She says this, people who are just about to find out are going to go through a great deal of mental distress. So those of us who have already come to terms have to be compassionate. Make them a cup of tea. Give them hugs. You guys are champs and I love you and I appreciate you. Everyone's like, what are you talking about? Well... Anyway, she goes on, you'll see. <clears throat> MIA starts talking about Alex Jones for a little bit the other day. Alex Jones lying and Pfizer lying, both trending. One penalty, other without. If you have no critical thinking faculty, this is about as crazy as we should get before nuclear war wipes out the human race. Yes. How do you level that one out? It's 2022, she said the other day. So far, no one has ever paid a billion dollars for lying or being in denial on this planet until Alex Jones, which whether you like him or not, is a standard that will be applied evenly to everybody else or or they'll try. It's precedent, very dangerous. Uh, She goes on to say the 2008 financial crash, no accountability. Weapons of mass destruction, no accountability. If Alex Jones pays for lying, shouldn't every celebrity pushing vaccines pay too? Boy. Boy, that one got a that one got a good bump. That one got a good bump. And of course, there's no way for someone like me to get it, to get in touch with someone like her. I mean, try try I might, but I'm no Candace Owens who can just tweet and have the whole world look at you. Anyway, that's uh that's interesting. I'll be I'm sure she'll be popping up on everybody's feeds from time to time because whenever somebody does something like this, 
in come the, uh, the, the talk show hosts, and rightfully so, because this is great. You make inroads with new crowds. You make people who are on the fence and, and uh, you know, a little bit more curious when someone they kind of respect, especially creatively, has piqued their curiosity. But the quickening, it gets quicker and quicker. All right. Well, everybody knows my next guest, Rich Barris. He's the director at Big Data Poll. Um, he has been on this show for years now, and he's a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours, too. And I can't wait to jump into this as we are getting closer and closer to this inevitable shit show. Hey, Rich, how you feeling, man? <laughs> this inevitable show, huh? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling good, my friend. And how about you? I, you know what? I get more excited by the day. I got to say. Yeah. This must you be probably should be. This must be Advent for you, like you know, just leading up to the big day. You know, it is, and uh, it's a it, look. You know, sometimes it's stressful. Uh, sometimes it's exciting. You know, it's kind of live. Uh, this is what we live for, though. This is what, what I live for. Uh, and at the end of the day, you get a chance to kind of take a break, and it's usually right around holidays. So uh, we have to dissect what happens. That's always the case. But at least the polling winds down, and you get to spend some more time with the family, which is great. Um, so yeah, it's an exciting time it, it, for, you know, someone like me, what I do, it's an exciting time. Indeed. It, it, it really it, is. It's exciting for me to sit back and ask you questions and just wait with bated breath for whatever the conclusion is too. And, you know, before we get yeah. into the, uh, into the numbers and all that other stuff, I have a few things I want to ask you just about last week, because my Friday show, yeah. my Friday show's title was a dizzying week of headlines. And I spent the first hour just rattling off headlines, and I didn't even get to them all. Um, so because you factor in current events here and abroad into so many things, uh, especially the way that you craft questions and, and you want to see where people's interest on certain subjects are, uh, we had Pfizer admitting yeah. that they did no transmission prevention tests, yet the media and government lied on, on their behalf. Anthony Fauci is now trying to shed blame. Of She's, he's trying to shed blame for the schools being closed. Um, we had the subpoena for, of Donald Trump from the January 6th carnival. So what was your biggest takeaways from that bombardment of news last week? You know, I got to tell you, as far as the J6 stuff, I think they're finally, it start, it's finally starting to dawn on them, although I cannot believe that it took this long. It's finally starting to dawn on them that nobody gives a rat's you-know-what. Nobody cares. The only ones who care are them. Uh, you know, same thing goes, you know, I don't know if you saw it this morning. It's just hilarious. You know, morning Mika, you know what I'm really afraid of? That people don't understand of this January 6th stuff that more than 50% of the country are election deniers. But look <laughs> at this polling. Look at this polling. I, the, I'm worried these people are going to care more about inflation. Oh. You stupid, privileged little twit. Oh. Of course they're going to care about feeding their families, you imbecile. These are airheads, Frank. They're airheads. They live in their own bubble. They think that, frankly, uh, you know, quite frankly, that your needs don't matter. No. And and it's amazing anyway that the, they wouldn't be such a laughing stock if they didn't act like more than they, they had more than 50 percent at one point in the, of the country thinking that 
Donald Trump colluded with Vladimir Putin to steal the 2016 election. Every single elected Democrat said that Donald Trump stole the election from uh, from uh, Hillary Clinton with Vladimir Putin's help. Every single one of them, Frank. So what credibility do any of them have at this point? You know, and they they bet it all on that. They bet it all on abortion. And now they have even their very own polls, the polls that aren't very good, constantly under state Republican support, showing widening Republican leads because voters, guess what? Wait for it. Don't care about their stupid little world. They care about feeding their families. They care about paying their bills. They care, speaking abroad, about, you know, instability around the world, things just feeling like they're messed up. Remember, Joe Biden and Democrats promised the country stability and even and remember the even and the adults back in the room, mm. a decent person. This is crap. This was all crap and they didn't deliver on it. And I was laughing before Raphael Warnock's answer to a journalist who, God forbid, did a random act of journalism, like the great Rush Limbaugh used to say, and said, Infl you know, Democrats have been in charge now for two years. Inflation is through the roof. This is happening abroad. This is going on at home, blah, blah, blah. Why should they give you two more years? And he goes, well, you know, we're still kind of in the throes of a pandemic. <laughs> As if the Pfizer story last week meant nothing. Like, why would you even wade in those waters after Pfizer comes out and admits what they admit? And I got to tell you, too, last thing I'll say, um, I just my big takeaway is that it's it's just getting worse for Democrats. It's getting worse. And I'm proud at that at Big Data Poll with the public polling project that we were the only ones who had the gumption to the, the, the testicular fortitude to poll adverse effects and you know share that those results which were concerning results oh you, well, i didn't you, i didn't know the about only this one who did it you well we're gonna... oh i gotta share it with you okay by well, age frank yeah by age strong relationship the younger you were which of course means you're at almost no risk for you know the younger you are the least risk you are from serious COVID, right hmm. um the younger you are, the more likely you were to experience an adverse effect and a severe adverse effect at that. So, and the, we're not talking small numbers. You know, five percent, six percent of uh, total is, it, it's, you know, apply those percentages to the number of people who got it, Frank. I know. And we're not talking about a small percentage of people here. We're talking about millions of people. And by the way. <laughs> I know some people personally. I don't want to get too much into it, but they lied to me personally, personally, about what you know the what their trials entailed, and it's it's just unbelievable. It really goes to show you company and cash before anything, yeah. before principle, before the truth, before science. That you know, company and cash before it all. Oh, I I, Tragic, I was. I was really and I, friendship, by the way, and friendship. Well, these are all the things that were that were really the cost. You're talking about the, the real cost of the last couple of years. Yes. You cannot you cannot talk about 
uh, economics and anything else. You can't talk about businesses and schooling and all that without talking about the cost of personal relationships, friends and family. This has driven wedges. It has severed bonds that were that many people probably thought were lifelong and uh, un- 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 unbreakable. It's a uh, it's been an assault, full spectrum assault on humanity, and um, just incredible. And when you talk about science and I think that the most flabbergasting thing about what was admitted in Europe in Europe uh, in that session of I think the EU Parliament or whatever the hell it was when they were talking to the woman from Pfizer was that her exam- her uh, her excuse about we were moving at the pace of the speed of science and that was the greatest thing there because everybody said, well, what is the speed of science? I said, well, I hate, listen, yeah, I'm, right. not a, I'm not a scientist, but if you're, you're talking about any other shot that or medication that's being brought to market, the speed of science just by precedent that's been set over decades has been about, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. They made it five to six months. So it's, uh, th- th- this is all horse shit. And, you know, you're talking even about the election about people's priorities and and 2016 with everybody denying that uh, Donald Trump had beaten Hillary Clinton fair and square. You think about the whole push for from November until January in 2016 into 17, pushing for faithless electors to go back on the Electoral College vote submission. That is far more undemocratic than challenging the results through established protocols in Congress. And and this is all the shit they they, requ- they re- requested all their friends in Hollywood get together for those unspeakably obnoxious montage videos to beg electors not to submit the vote. I mean, it's just incredible. And uh, but there's there's yeah. it John Lewis. Remember the supposed civil rights leader? He's illegitimate. I'm not going to his his inauguration. Do you remember that? By the way, they're still doing it. What's undemocratic, Frank? There was a lawsuit at the Supreme. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court told the state of Pennsylvania that they cannot count undated ballots, and yet they plan right now, in three weeks, to completely ignore the ruling of the Supreme Court of the United States and count undated ballots. Why are those ballots problematic? Because it's a free for all. You really have no way of knowing whether or not those ballots were truly cast before at the correct time, uh, you know, and just for, you know, you know, this was supposed to be just for a small portion of people who were in like the military and were overseas. This was never supposed to become this mass vehicle to be able to uh, do what Philadelphia does best, which everyone knows they do. I mean, for crying out loud, there was an indictment over stuff like this right before the 2020 election. Well-known people were from, I mean, well-known in the political machine in Philadelphia were indicted over it, Frank, and they spanned, the FBI's investigation spanned three election cycles. It included Bernie. It included Trump. I mean, so this is 18 and 14. So, you know, they act like, you know, you're 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 not supposed to bring this up. And they talk about January 6th, like it was, like you know, on par with 9-11 and it was on par with Pearl Harbor, which, by the way, they wanted it to be for a reason, because it's the only time in, in power parties were able to buck the midterm trends, you know, which we see first term incumbent midterms, especially, uh, you know, that the president's party gets creamed. And that is, that's historically what happens, except for after 9-11. 
and Roosevelt fared a little bit better, obviously, after uh, Pearl Harbor. So they wanted this environment of fear. They wanted it. And they tried to elevate this event to something on the lines with, um, with events that cost the lives of thousands of Americans in one day each thousands of americans and they were willing to put the country into that kind of a crisis and panic and you know uh dangerous you know dangerous social environment they were willing to do it just to try to win an election mm. you know uh, and, and and they don't listen to the supreme court they, like i said uh you know that, that whole segment about kerry lake is so dangerous an election denier could really win the governor of arizona and they lie to their audience and tell them it's tied the race is tied the race is not tied okay kerry lake has a lead she's got a pretty healthy lead that's what's gonna i was gonna ask you about her she's one of the people i wanted to ask about um yeah, yeah. if you were to put uh if you were to put money down out there is it kerry lake yeah uh, yeah, we've pulled it now. We're going to pull it again, by the way. Uh, but we've pulled it, and uh, it's it is definitely Carrie Lake uh, by four at this point, and with the potential to extend that lead, Frank. Because what we're seeing is uh, what it remains on the table are not voter-rich targets for Democrats. And Carrie Lake is doing really well with everybody except for those who have a postgraduate degree. Even four-year degrees are really rather close. Democrats need to win them, you know, by a nice enough margin that when they get killed by the working class, they can kind of use that to offset it and they have their base in the postgrad. Um, Abe Hamaday, Carrie Lake, uh, you know, some of these statewide races, the four attorney general. Uh, and Secretary of State even. Some of these four-year degree categories are really close. So there's just, and, and by the way, when I say close, I mean already in the high 40s. So it's not like there's much room for Hobbs uh, to to change minds or, I mean, she would have to change it, a significant amount of hey, minds. She's such an embarrassment. Uh, outside. Yeah, and she can't do it. She's not persuasive enough. No, my And gosh. outside, not at all. She, I mean, she's, come on, she's she's an imbecile. Can we be honest? Yeah. She can't even answer a simple question about what she thinks is a contribution from the Hispanic community. If you're running for the governor of Arizona, you can't answer that question. You should not be running for the governor of Arizona. All right. I mean, and frankly, she's presided over some pretty catastrophic and chaotic election results. It makes no sense, uh, you know, that you would give her a promotion. I mean, I'm just talking about, forget about partisanship. I'm just talking about common sense. Will the voters want to give her a, a promotion after she's been so incapable and has been riddled with scandals that go to the heart of the Democratic base, which is why she didn't win every single county in her primary, like Kerry Lake did, um, because there are some Democrats who were very unhappy with her being the front runner, pushed on them, really, really pushed on them. Um, and then, you know, uh, as far as the rest of this goes, the enthusiasm gap and the like, the voter voter model, the likely voter model, is just so much more beneficial to Carrie Lake uh, that there is a potential that for you know Hobbs to have some depressed turnout, and if that happens, uh, she'll get the floor wiped with her. It won't even just be like you know a few points here and there, three to five points. I mean. There is a there, there's a recipe that could lead to you know like a late plus eight ten. Wow, it can happen. You know, so she she could blow her out of the out of the water, man. What? But again, we have it at four three point seven right now to be on to be uh, precise. 
and we'll see what the next one comes up. Well, that's that, that takes care of Arizona for me. I want to go back to Pennsylvania for a moment because I, first I want to ask about the Supreme Court decision, and then I want to ask you about the, uh, the Fetterman-Oz race because this is... Yeah. Let me tell you something. This is such a bizarre uh, grouping because I, I, I did, a, it's not my business. It's people from it's Pennsylvanians' business. Uh, obviously, it's of everybody's interest with the way that the country is set up now and how we are such a uh, you know a nationally fused together once union. And um, but I mean, I just like to physically bizarre matchup too. Everything's so weird. But the Pennsylvania undated ballots thing is that another. Um, is that another act by executive fiat in the state, or is this an actual state Congress move? No, this was fiat. <laughs> so that's illegal. This was I mean, fiat. I don't, I don't... This was, yeah. This was supposed to be applied as far as the state level. Oh, it's totally illegal. Totally illegal. As far as the state level action, originally, when the when the legislature did address this issue it was supposed to deal with a very small number of ballots with absentee voters by the way people have to remember when this was enacted pennsylvania was not an early vote state democrats had tried like crazy to expand early voting and then never got past the legislature because the people of pennsylvania never wanted it and they would hear it uh, from their constituents like crazy so even democrats would back away from it that's uh that's the truth of it and then they got COVID and they were able to, you know, just expand it uh, at will. And what happened is from the 2020 election, they absolutely fought over this and lost. And then in the primary, they kind of just ignored, uh, you know, the, the previous rulings uh, and started to count those undated ballots. And if you remember, uh, you had the Republican loser Republican nominee uh, for Senate. Now, we, we have Mehmet Oz, uh, but Doug McCormick wanted he jumped on the lawsuit with democrats to be able to get these ballots counted because he believed undated ballots would favor him let me ask you a question frank if you're losing the late arrivals the late arriving absentee ballots then why would you think undated ballots are going to swing your way i don't know i don't know right unless of course i don't know that you know Especially, right. especially since because what 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 can you do if there's no date necessary, Frank? Oh, you can do anything. What? You can, and I'll tell you something. It's something that you have brought Come up on. many times before because you always talk about these types of trends. Who are more likely, by far, to show up on election day, and who are more likely to mail it on in? Um, That's right. if, if if you're a Republican in a state like uh, 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 Pennsylvania, and you're not doing too well on election day or whatever, and you're just waiting to right. see what the mail-in vote looks like, I can't imagine that you're going to get a lion's share of whoever mailed it in. It's probably going to be mostly Democrat voters. That's exactly right. And what we've seen, too, is that there has been a little bit of a change with specific batches of mail-in. So that very early, early mail-in you know, that, that arrived and was processed, those are, you know, and in a general election, it's going to be Democratic. But in these primaries, it was more moderate, right, more establishment. And then that election day vote came in, and it was heavily MAGA. Let's just say that, right? In a general, it'll be heavily Republican. So those were only the earlies. And what became clear in Pennsylvania, Arizona is another one, those late arrivals were not like the early arrivals they were much more trumpy just like the election day vote they were somewhere in between 
the election day vote and the early vote, but they were still Trumpy. So if, if the election day vote was 70-30 MAGA, those late arrivals were more like 60-40 MAGA, right? So not quite as big of a margin, but still, nevertheless, a margin for the Trump-endorsed candidate, the MAGA candidate. Um, it, it made no sense that you would expect ballots that arrived late, right? Just be, they were undated and they arrived late. It made no sense for McCormick to think that those ballots would break his way because he was losing the late arrivals that were that were dated to Oz. And the same thing happened to Ta Karen Taylor Robson against Kerry Lake in Arizona and on and on. I mean, this happens. This happened everywhere. It still doesn't make sense because we're looking at a vote preference by vote method. How do you intend to vote? And those late arrivals are going to break Republican the way they did in the primary and the way they did uh, even in, in 2020 to some extent. So like Trump, by the way, he carried the late arrivals in Arizona. He just got um, he got beaten by a, the bigger margin in in that first early dump and he never caught up. He kept chipping away at it every time more came in, but he never caught up. So what what motivation if you know they believe me they understand what i'm saying so what motivation would they have to want these undated ballots it, they uh, i think it's very obvious very so obvious I get you in trouble here but no. it's very obvious ladies and gentlemen undated means man you know you can you can do it it's, I, an it's listen you know it's you know it's obvious to me rich and trying it, to be, it's pretty you know trying to straddle a line here for i you, understand buddy. but it's 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 very easy for me to see that um that Pennsylvania is on the chopping block to become the next California. No doubt about it. They want it to be the next. They, they want to destroy it, um, you know, in, in this way, this kind of functional way where anything can happen. And I, I still think to this day that much of California is just <clears throat> it's just a um, it's just a result of so many years of fraud, if you ask me. Not to say that there's not a lot of people out there voting Democrat, but I really think that there is just so much of it that's been institutionalized that people actually, it's just been, it's been normalized in people's minds. This is a blue state, and we need to expect that because that's just what it is when it could be something else. I think that they're trying to do that with, with Pennsylvania. Um, real quick about Fetterman, because yeah. I want to talk about Lee Zeldin and Herschel Walker before we end tonight. Um, what, yeah. what, what, what do you what do you what's the feeling about this guy? He's very uncomfortable to watch. He looks like he's uncomfortable in his own skin. He's a very oddly put together physical specimen, and um, and of course the, <laughs> the way that the the way that the media the way that the media has coalesced around him to form some kind of ridiculous protective bubble to ask very um, necessary questions for someone who has just had a stroke, probably the first of many future uh, vaccine injured uh, politicians. What, what are you what are you seeing about this guy and his viability? I uh, I think Mehmet Oz is going to win that race. I'll okay. be out and out about it. Listen, the average era is well uh, as far as how much polling has overstated uh, Democratic support 
in just 2020 it was an average that was well over five points if you add 16 to that uh we're we're looking at north of seven so the truth is uh polling public polling in general is completely unreliable in the state of pennsylvania and now that oz has basically tied it up i mean you know there's a two-point lead or one point something with trafalgar uh there's uh you know what emerson was about two i think very close was fetterman plus two uh there are numerous other ones and now jim who is from uh pennsylvania he runs susquehanna polling now has it tied all up at like 45 or something 43 45 um i'll tell you this too i pulled it when i pulled it uh we actually still had mastriano outpacing oz but i i told people at the time that was a bit of an illusion Oz needed to consolidate his Republican base. When he did, he would be able to uh, surpass Doug Mastriano for a few reasons. Uh, one, his lead with independence was bigger. Two, if you looked at performance in Allegheny County for Oz, he was actually outpacing Trump a little bit in Allegheny County, ditto Philadelphia. And at first, you know, I call people in Pennsylvania and try to get the feel of it. It's real. So uh, somebody I know did a campaign event with with Oz uh, recently, co you know, like a, a dual event. The guy was swamped, walking up the road just two blocks in in Philadelphia. You can't go anywhere. He was swamped by people who were traditionally Democratic voters. A lot of uh, old, a lot of like um, younger, not old, younger African American men who knew who Oz was, who wanted to talk to him and see where he stood on the issues. Um, yeah, because they don't like Fetterman. Fetterman is not well liked by young black men. He's not because of ch you know chasing a, a black man down the road with a gun. The media loves to hide these stories. You know, spray painting and vandalize or not spray painting, but vandalizing uh, a, a black bar. You know, when he was the mayor. Uh, you know, they don't like Fetterman. He's the one place that he got killed during the primary, even though he won overwhelmingly. He did it on the backs of white vote. The place he got killed the most was in black wards in Philadelphia. Uh, so that, that's interesting. Very. And then the you have the Italian and Irish, uh, you know, pre wards. I keep saying precincts because it's my lingo, right? But in in Philadelphia, they're called wards. Uh, there's, you know, Italian still and Irish wards. They have been moving sharply Republican. They're going to be even more pro Oz. So looking at the polling, I'm like, it's at 42 to 44% in Allegheny County, extremely strong for a Republican. They usually get in the low 30s. Trump was able to get a little over 40 in 16. He dipped down to 38 in 2020. So if Oz was to get 22 to, you know, I mean, uh, 42 to 44 in Allegheny, which is outside Pittsburgh is Allegheny County, but there are a lot of steel workers, suburbs out there. So there's there are votes there for Republicans. Uh, but Oz seems to be maybe it's some of that is celebrity you know uh oz also used to do rap videos about health you know keep yourself healthy i mean i kid you not i mean the people remember this stuff there's something about celebrity whether it's uh you know good or bad on our culture it, there's something about it that does matter and have an impact hmm. you know and for those who don't know oz is rather smooth with the ladies all right the ladies love him and when he's at these events he just knows how to talk to women voters some Republican candidates are rather awkward with women voters who are swing, you know, swing voters. Oz is the man. He is. Everybody who has watched him at an event, who's watching your show right now, knows that what I'm saying is 100 percent true. It far, you know, there there are a few few people who uh, work a crowd like Mehmet Oz. So I do think that he always had this potential to outperform Mastriano. But part of this now. 
and, and I think he's going to take it just to wrap that up. But part part of this right now with Mastriano, I think, is just about it's about money and it's about betrayal. Uh, Republicans, including elected Republicans in the state of Pennsylvania, openly say they're going to vote for Shapiro. They're not. I mean, I, I don't know how you can really call yourself a Republican uh, if you're doing that. And but they are. And the Republican Governors Association abandoned him. And unfortunately for Doug, what Mastriano, what he is is a victim of these group, the same never Trumpers, you know, the people who hated Donald Trump. They don't want him to be the governor of Pennsylvania when Donald Trump runs for president in 2024, because who controls the governor's mansion absolutely has enormous control over how votes are counted, good or bad, in a state during a presidential election. And Doug, he's going to enforce the law. Mm. And, they, you know, they call it the Keystone State for a reason. If they're going to try to stop Donald Trump, it's going to try. They're going to try in Pennsylvania. But you, you see, know, if you look at the, you know, the margins, it's the best place to do it. And and and, and I'm sorry for for interrupting there at the end, uh, but no, but that's cool. what I'm saying when you say they're they're worried about somebody who's going to enforce the law again. Yeah. Again, it's not so much about okay, well, who in there and, and who can be brought in by Pennsylvanians to yeah. lead up their. You know who can be in the governor's mansion in in Pennsylvania? There be their attorney general and all that stuff, and actually start enforcing the law. Be in compliance with Article Two of the Constant, uh, Constitution, and only allow the state uh, assembly or state legislature to dictate how elections are are run. That, that's the only that's the only constitutional prescription there is. There is no role for the governor in any of that shit. It's not a matter of getting somebody in who temporarily, for the time that they're there, is willing to follow the law. How does the, 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 the people who are in office in Pennsylvania become prosecuted and punished for what they did in 2020 and now in 2022? This is illegal. They committed a crime. It's actually, it, it's, a, it's a federal crime. They, they violated the Constitution. How are they going to be punished? That's that's what I would like to know because you know waiting every two years to get a two to four year span where yeah. somebody somewhat uh, respects the, the law is not going it's not oh, very helpful for people you know it's not and, and you know yeah. um, anyway yeah that's just I know you don't have any answers on that it just has to be done by someone. No, you know I, but I think maybe you stumbled upon something which is another reason why they don't want Doug Mastriano to be the governor because I mean he could instruct the Attorney General to do something and that is, uh, you know, that look, look what happened when Ron DeSantis took over Florida. And I was just going back and forth. I was just uh, responded to Christina Pushaw used to be his communications uh, person. And this is what I said. You know, we were talking about Miami-Dade. Miami-Dade's about to flip. It's about to go Republican. Wow. You heard me correctly. Wow. Republican Hispanics outnumbered Democrat Hispanics. And if you look at the early vote there, it is not the way it even looked in 2020. It looks better for Republicans. And there are more votes remaining for Republicans to vote on election day, right? So let's say this, that they leave this big chunk for election day vote, which they like to do. Miami-Dade Republicans too, they like to vote early in person, but they like to do it when it gets closer to election day, if not just vote on election day. The numbers are uh, through the roof and Democrats just don't have the voter registration edge they once had to be able to tap a, for a bigger pool. And that's over, those days are gone. They're now, ne they're negative 300 and something thousand in voter registrations republicans lead there by a pretty significant amount amount and i said after 2020 look at miami day that that county's going next time around it's going and if it wasn't going to go this year in 18 it's going in, i mean in uh 22 it's going in 24 especially if donald trump is the nominee it's a matter of demographics it's it's going to happen 
but it does look like it's going to happen this time. That leaves really Broward County as the one and only, you know, you have Alachua too, but it's not as big as Miami-Dade and, and Broward. Alachua is where Gainesville is, so there's a blue, um, you know, a blue stronghold in Gainesville, uh, you know, but it's not enough. Broward County was is going to be the remaining blue stronghold, and this is what we were talking about. When Brenda Snipes was the supervisor of election, Republicans were in the 20s, Frank, always. Sometimes the low 20s, 21%, 22%. Ron DeSantis kicks her, you know what, out, gives her the, the, the hook, bro, and all of a sudden Republican vote share in Broward County skyrockets in the 30s. Imagine. Now, obviously, it's still a minority, but what the hell changed? What changed? Brenda Snipes changed. Yeah. And the governor can do that. You know, so governors can do that. You don't, uh, if you're not, you know, executing a prosecutor, you know, uh, overseeing or conducting an election, free and fair, you're gone. And then guess what? People are worried that there may be somebody looking over their shoulder. So they, they tend to kind of like clean up their act, or at least for the short term, you got to keep an eye on them. But it's a perfect example. There was no other variable that changed, Frank. Republicans did not campaign in Broward County. The only thing that changed is that Brenda got the boot. And by the way, Linda from Palm Beach and Miami-Dade, she got the boot too. And my and Republican vote share in Miami-Dade went from, what, 33% to 47 Come on. I, I, some of that was demographics, and some of that is just conducting an election more, you know, fill in the blank. I, I the, the blanks are getting filled in. We understand. And it's it, it's just incredible. You know, it's just incredible that, that it could be that quick and it's just it's just incredible that that shift out there overnight my friend yeah. i mean damn near overnight you know well, really is inc- it is incredible in in well, i would have to say in uh it's not related news because this is i i, <laughs> I come from a country over here in new york where it's not um we we don't have that big of a I don't know if we somehow had a Governor Lee Zeldin. There's a lot less he would be able to do than a Ron DeSantis or say anybody who slips in Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, because at least they would have a congressional majority. Republican legislature. Yeah, I mean the the the, the legislature in New York is something like 107 Democrats to 43 Republicans. Uh, You you would it it would almost be just a, a lame duck governorship for. For Zeldin, I don't know all the powers and the and the privileges of the governor, so he could probably do something. But he's not going to get legislation passed. He could at least veto a lot of shit. But w- tell me what's going on here, because I know it's a long shot, but still, I know that Kathy Hochul is so unwanted by everybody. Yeah. Um, I do not yeah. see any of her signage anywhere. Um, there, uh, uh, Lee Zeldin is popping up all over New York City, north of White Plains over here, all throughout the Adirondacks, Dutchess County, everywhere. It is all Zeldin. I was just up in Adirondacks for a, a week there. It's just awash with his stuff. And to know that we have a state of 20.2 million people you have 8 million people or so in the city they're not all going to vote they're not all going to vote monolithically and we know that there's a presence of lee zeldin especially in a place like staten island and uh they're popping so you think about the numbers there is numbers to put a republican governor in albany but what are you seeing as far as the possibility of that oh the the, you know it could happen and i would say if it if it you know could it would uh this cycle because this is a, you have a bad candidate who kind of has the stink of Andrew Cuomo still all over her, right? Let's be honest. 
his scandals, uh, except for the sexual harassment, are her scandals. Uh, you know that she didn't. You know she she her hands were not clean in the um, nursing care facility scandal. Uh, she also has a load of other issues that you know she's weighing her down. You know, like a heavy anchor around her neck. Um, and she's not. Uh, it's not that she's not. I don't even mean popular is not the right word. She's not particularly likable, right? And I've always been skeptical of it because there have been so many working class Republican voters, I mean, average Americans that lived in New York that have left New York for Florida, for Arizona, right, for Nevada, places like that. But uh, they're clearly still, you know, especially looking at the primary numbers, Democratic turnout was down significantly. Republican turnout was up. You know, with independence, if you win a margin big enough with independence and you have to peel off Democrats in New York, you have got to. You've got to win a pretty decent amount of Democrats. It can be done. It absolutely can be done. And there's a history. George Pataki, Frank. I mean, the the state of New York has always been Democratic. In New Jersey, to the south of you, uh, it is one of only two states that voted for Barack Obama by a larger margin in 2012 than it did in 08. It was only New Jersey and Hawaii, folks. Everything else got tighter. Uh, and yet, Citarelli almost won that election and would have if he would have had a little bit of support. Zeldin is being smart in that the governor does have the power to stop some of the crazy, and it is crazy. You know, most people in New York say it's crazy. You know, the uh, no cash bail, stuff like that. Yep. Um, he can direct, you know, he can direct. Uh, law enforcement to to stop that. He can direct uh, prosecutors uh, to stop that. So he's trying to use issues that he knows are to play to him well, but also are within the reality of potential action when he gets elected. Otherwise, he's just, what is he doing? He's making campaign promises that he can't keep, right? Yeah. And then also look at at Rudy Giuliani. He would have won uh, as the governorship of New York handily, if he would have done, if he would have ran, he would have won the the Senate seat there if he would have ran after he was the mayor. And so there is, you know, some level of independent streak. It just, of course, it of course, it's uh, you know, even independents they're lean Democrat and it's a heavily Democratic uh, state. But it went there. There is a chance for all of the political stars to align. And I gotta say, it's not one poll anymore, is it? It's not. You have local news outlets there showing the race between two and four points. Uh, it's very close. The New York Post had a feature just this weekend. You know, too close to too close for comfort. Too close for comfort for Hochul or something. It said, and that was uh, based on yet another poll. The Spectrum News poll conducted by Siena had all these battleground districts in it where they pulled a Republican candidate, a Democratic candidate, or I wouldn't even say battleground. Competitive is a better because some many many of these districts should be leans or likely democrat and yet depending on you know there were some that were better for republicans and some that the result was a little bit better for the democrats but zeldin led in every single district mm-hmm. every competitive district every one even ones where democrats were leaning or you know or where it was leaning toward the democratic candidate so it's real because if he's performing that what that that good that strongly in those districts that means he really is uh making this a race and he's gonna win in nassau <laughs> yeah oh definitely you well, know i mean that's oh man yeah they're gonna come out for him there there are a lot of votes there frank oh, look out yeah. kingston queens county voted for uh andrew giuliani 
there was still Giuliani love. If he can reach out to those people and get them to come out and vote for him, look, remember when, uh, you know, if Andrew, you know, could help, you know, would say, look, remember when my dad was the mayor? Remember crime? He got it under control. He made the city beautiful again. Well, guess what? I ran. I gave it my best shot. He won, and he's going to do it for you. That Look, that's what Democrats do. At it's, the end of the day, they come together, yeah. and they all help each other. So there, there's more that could be done there. Yeah. That's my little hint to oh. the opposition to get off your ass and help Lee Zeldin. I, I, you know what? The prior opposition. The most I can do is throw a vote, and I, I shall be throwing a vote in his direction. And, uh, and the most I can do is throw a vote. What can I do? I am going to throw him my as hard as I can. I'm going to throw it his way, and see what the hell happens. Because you, I know you, you don't see it down there in Florida, Rich. But the anti-Zeldin campaign commercials on television are absolutely. Bonkers! Before Didn't we get, she call him like a like equate him to like a Nazi or oh, something. I, 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 there's been a lot of that. Nuts. Well, I was watching the Yankee game over the weekend, and and here's the latest one that popped up. Tell me about Cause it. Because it, it's, <laughs> it, it's all it's all it's all abortion, of course. It's the only thing. It's abortion, and that he supported uh, that he is an election denier. He's election denier, therefore he's in support of the insurrection. Oh, yeah. It's insurrection <sighs> and in abortion over the weekend i'm watching the yankees and they they run a commercial featuring this black lady who's telling the story of being pregnant having wanted the child rich so this is this is someone who wanted the child wanted to be a mother and telling the story about how um in the first trimester of pregnancy the doctor told her that the pregnancy was non-viable okay non-viable okay and saying that if Lee Zeldin were governor, she would not have been able to have an abortion. I said, That's it's, not true. It's a, first of all, if the pregnancy is non-viable, it's not an abortion. Okay, and, <laughs> That's and, and, not true and, and number and number two, <laughs> and number two, as you said, as you said, how many times? It's anything to cover up the fact that these people see abortion as a contraceptive method. The fact that you have a woman showing up who wanted the pregnancy but could not keep the pregnancy could not keep the child alive naturally, that it was a non-viable pregnancy, and, and, and that like Lee Zeldin was going to get in the way of her being able to, to, to pass uh, uh, the, the child that did not survive, uh, that being a, a big hindrance for women. I could not believe the, 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 twi- the pretzels they were twisting themselves into to avoid the fact that 99.9% of abortions are contraceptive methods that they, right. that, that they tie to girl power. And that's just white white women, white women use but because of course they're most are from black women who uh, you know maybe have uh, you know made contraception, but black women are most likely to cite economic reasons. But white women are the ones who just do it for contraceptive. You know, I mean the the reasoning is horrible. And if you were to you know really re- folks, if you were really to research this. I challenge you to do it without feeling like you need to take a shower afterwards or say a prayer because the reasons are I don't want my breasts to sag. All right. The reasons are I don't want stretch marks because, you know, it's too close to the summer. All right. Jeez. Or I, I didn't really I look, that was a one night stand. I don't intend to have a kid with this guy. Those are the reasons. Wake up. 
And I got a question on this, actually, Frank. If they're so certain that America agrees with them on abortion, which you know they don't because we've been over this in polling, deep diving in the past, they lose their own voters. Pro-choice has a small you know, um, advantage over pro-life, but when you actually drill in to the specifics of trimester or heartbeat, pain, whatever it may be, different they lose massive numbers of their own voters who say, no, I don't support abortion at that point. I'm pro-choice because I support it up to like 15 weeks and that's it, you know, kind of thing. That's it. That's all. So if they're so certain and confident that this issue is a winner for them, this is what pisses me off about Republicans being cowardly when it comes to this issue. They should go on offense, not play defense. If they're so certain, then why do their ads lie? Right. Why did their debate answers lie? I saw one for Sherry Beasley, who's a judicial, you know, appoint uh, a judicial winner, office winner, who's now running against Ted Budd in North Carolina. And the ad said uh, that since the decision overturning Roe v. Wade, Republican uh, Republicans across the country have outlawed abortion and and criminalized abortion and are putting women in jail for trying to exercise their right to choose, right? If Ted Budd is elected and Republicans, uh, because it was like a, a third party, they swept the Supreme Court up in it too, the state Supreme Court. If Ted Budd wins and the Republican candidates for Supreme Court uh, overturn the Democratic majority, then North Carolina will be a, that place. You know, it's like none of this is even true. None of this is true. And first of all, their very first statement was false. Is there any state in the union, Frank, where you see women hauled away in chains, thrown in jail because Republicans outlawed what they're doing? Has has there been, believe me, ladies and gentlemen, if there were cases like this, they'd be all over MSNBC. They'd be on the front page of the New York Times. They'd be on the front page of the Washington Post. CNN would have a clock up like they did during the Iraq War with a counter on it that says, how many women jailed since Roe v. Wade was overturned? And it would be clicking every day, clicking every day. You know it. I know it. They're full of crap. So if they were so confident about this, having this discussion with the American people, why do they feel the need to lie? Why? It's the the farm on it. That's it. Rhetorical question right there. Last one I have for you because we're already over. I'm so sorry, Rich. You, but you're so, cool. you're so generous with your time. Um, Herschel Walker. I, I saw yeah. some highlights of some recent debates that he was in, but I have not followed it much. I know that he's been attacked for having had a, a girlfriend who did have an abortion or something like that in the past. What's the skinny in Georgia? Because um, I, I don't know, but people have been asking, and I am pretty curious. I'll tell you what. Um, I asked a lot of people, you know, the, the truth. And uh, because he vehemently denied these attacks. In the debates, uh, he said flatly that these have been debunked. This, These are not true stories. Warnock didn't even come back at him on it. It's like he just wanted the press to do the hit for the initial damage. If he believed it himself, Frank, he would have defended those reports or, or, or attempted to continue to prosecute them. The truth is, Speaking of the New York Times and the rest of them, but definitely the New York Times played a huge role in doing this because of their rather racist coverage of Herschel Walker, making him out to be not a real member of the black community, a dummy. He's stupid. They lowered expectations with how he would do with this debate. But then you had 
Rick Scott, you had Tom Cotton go and help prep this man for debate, and he wiped the floor with Warnock both times. Wiped the floor. I'll tell you what, Frank. I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit ashamed of myself for maybe believing some of this nonsense. You know that I read. The man is he is he the most fluent person in the world? No, but he was sharp in how to respond, and he he really held Warnock's record to account. And Warnock looked awkward, especially by the way. This is why I, you know I I got it made me want to stand up and give Herschel Walker a a a, 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 a you know a standing ovation because he did go on the offense on abortion. He was like, this is a guy who claims to be a pastor. He said Atlanta, Georgia, you know, executes more black babies than anywhere in the state. He's like, well, let me ask you something, pastor. You know, why are you aborting babies instead of baptizing them? You know, I mean, he just went off. I mean, it was one yeah. dig after the other. The only thing they were left to do was run to their fake fact checkers who really did, couldn't help them. But also their fake, you know, reporters on verified Twitter trying to like make the case that the, the Cobb County badge he held up was not a real badge. It is a real badge. So they just look so stupid. And by the way, his work with mental health in that community is real, you know, using that honorary badge. I mean, if if you're reduced to accusing somebody of holding up a fake badge they what bought from Big Lots, you idiots. I mean, it was just not good. And Warnock looked that really what was so effective is that Warnock had no, he looked uncomfortable in his own skin, Frank. Like as a Christian, he looked like he knew he was wrong on the position of abortion that his party takes and that he himself is attempting to take. And on the question of uh, rents, you know, throwing out people, evicting people during the pandemic for what, being $25 late? You know, $25 in your rent. He turned to him and he was like, don't bear false witness, Pastor. Don't bear false witness. And it was just, he the, not only was what Herschel doing and saying effective, Warnock's optics, the optics of Warnock's reactions were just like a guilty man. You know when you have a guilty man pinned and he's just like a deer in the headlights and he just stay, he doesn't know what to say, so he just kind of stares with this dumb shame look on his face? Mm-hmm. That's what that's what Warnock did. It was bad. You and think, anyone who tries to spin it, you, I, I'm sorry you believe the New York Times and you thought Herschel Walker was dumb because he is not. That see, and that's that what was, I was uh, saying. I was I was seeing some of those moments with the highlights there, and I'm thinking I'm saying, you know, uh, Herschel Walker is 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 really giving it to this guy, and he's speaking <laughs> he's speaking like just a, a a common guy, like the way that we yeah. we would talk with each other, going back and forth. There's no there's no pretense. There's nothing there, and I, I thought that was so relatable. And as far as the whole, um, you know, uh, was he with a woman that got an abortion and all that stuff, uh, the same thing applies to Herschel Walker in, in this situation where that even applied to Donald Trump, though. It was on different levels with the whole Stormy Daniels thing. I mean, people cannot be expected to abandon all their principles because of one or two possible blemishes right. on a person's past when they are up against people who have no principles at all. And uh, And it's so funny to hear them nitpicking about badges when these are the same people who helped create and legitimize out of thin air the office of the president-elect out of nowhere they made that a re- <laughs> you remember they created that that was the uh, they made that office out of nowhere oh man 
It's incredible. <laughs> Touche, man. Touche. Um, and at the end, he prosecuted his record in his final closing statements. And like you said, talking like an average guy, he was just like, you know what it comes down to, Georgia? This is what he's done. Inflation, dead, blah, this, that. Can we afford it? What's America going to look like if we give Warnock another six years? I mean, it was, Frank, it was devastating. As an incumbent, it devastating. Well, I, I mean, either Warnock way. Was it, not prepared. No, no, I don't think so. And, Rich, you've been so uh, wonderful to give us 45 minutes of your time here tonight. You know, I have one personal thing for you before we leave because I was asking people what, what they wanted us to talk about. I got uh, Most of what we did was the, the, the most requested. There's other cool things that I wanted to ask that we can save for next Monday because you're on the 24th as well. But yes, here, here's yes. one thing. This is something that came in from almost a dozen people that if I, I would be remiss if I don't tell you. I have heard people say, Frank, please tell Rich that he is assaulting my ears with the loudness of his intro video on YouTube <laughs> that that you've got you've got to bring down you got to tell Laura that the the audio of the intro video has got to be brought down a little bit because you are Listen, you guys, scare this people. is how we roll this is how we roll it's to wake you up it's time to get the party started all right <laughs> oh, I, I, I always it's a say bad habit yeah it's a bad habit that's the point of it always saying I've been it that for years because some people are saying that it's it, it goes beyond alarm bell and more so into physical pain <laughs> so some people are feeling some people are feeling physically assaulted rich you have to know this <laughs> listen I, you know I will work on it but you know you work on a safe space when the when the music comes on turn it down a little bit and uh you know we'll see <laughs> dude i know you know what i wanted it loud i did um i i wonder if the other one is that loud as well like for one of the odds i i don't know but i know bad habit is loud and it was supposed to be it was intended to be uh but yeah, that's funny you said that that's it well was i hear it all the time myself well, I anyway, do. I have a, a your big data poll director, but yep. as always, in the description of the episode, we have peoplespundit.locals.com. I, uh, I always send people there. Uh, now, aside, uh, you know, obviously, um, peoplespunditlocals.com, I know that's become your primary, so I'm sending people there, uh, and I, I hope that they show up and they are taking part in all of your wonderful streams throughout the week. I know that you're always live. Some great information to be gleaned from that. You have wonderful co-hosts and guests. Uh, let everybody know if there's anything else I've missed, my friend. No, you got it. I mean, we, we just dropped a voter. We have these great voter analysis where you could really see, uh, you know, the it, it's a machine learning model that uh, shows you what the voter file looks like demographically. Um, and in a state like Michigan, which we just did, very interesting because it has to be inferred, no party affiliation. Uh, and that you can kind of compare against the polls to see whether or not you think the polls really ref reflect the electorate that will show up on election day, right? Or what is the likelihood that it will? So very interesting stuff there, of course. But no, I think that's about it. The people can, you know, certainly help us with the public polling project. They can go to Big Data Poll, scroll to the bottom and check it out. We're actually doing uh, that now, the generic ballot now. I've, I've looked at it quite a bit. I mean, I'll tell you, Frank, it's not done, but I'll tell you, without a doubt, Republicans have increased their lead on the generic ballot. I mean, I can say that confidently. I'm actually really surprised Normally, before a midterm, president's approval will tick up a little bit. We saw that happen, uh, ticked up two points. It looks like it's going to fall back down again. So uh, yeah, not a good sign for the incumbent party, Frank. 
not a good sign at all. Well, what you are producing scientifically, I'm feeling in my gut and seeing with my eyes, yeah. even over here in cobalt blue New York, Rich. And yep. that, uh, no matter what happens after Jan uh, November 8th, I got to say that these little talks and everything that we are seeing coming from people in physical, verifiable ways gives me hope that we are not surrounded by, by lost souls. I really do see that people are seeing what's happening around them and uh, even the demographics that these, uh, these, these Bolsheviks always thought would be attached to their leash uh, in perpetuity, they are, yes. they are wriggling free. And I love seeing people get free and getting, uh, getting inquisitive about things. So I am, I'm going into this election positive, no matter what. And I'm, I'm glad to be taking that ride with you, as always, my friend. Send my best to Laura, and uh, let me know uh, if there's anything else that you want to send over to us prior to next Monday. I love having you on every Monday. This, this is great. Dude, we're going to have quite a bit, actually. So yeah. we'll have to remember to do that, because we're going to have quite a bit. We can show a lot uh, to people. There should be, you know, there'll be national numbers, national stuff. There'll be several uh, more rounds of battleground states. We're going to do Wisconsin again, Arizona again, Pennsylvania again. And I think one more with CD, which will be Georgia. So, but uh, two at least of those will be teed up for next week when we talk to you. All right. Great. Gotta remember to do it, brother. I'm looking forward to it, and I'll dig into this uh, this uh, this thread a little bit more and pick out some of the lesser questions we didn't answer. And all the best, man. Thanks again for your time. All the best, Frank. Best to you and yours. Talk to you soon, guys. Later. There you go. There is Rich Barris. There he went. Rich Barris, Big Data Poll, People's Pundit on Locals. Go and check him out. And we've got a couple of minutes. No, we got like two minutes from our intermission. We're going on a quick intermission. When we come back, I'm gonna go into your super chats and then I've got these stories. You've you gotta listen to them. Sexual abuse in public school system. I have said for a long time, oh, they love, they love throwing shade at the Vatican and there's plenty of shade to be thrown there. But uh, that is nothing compared to the American public school system. And it's starting to become a lot more evident and verified. So I wanted to show you something new. I want to back it up with something older that was written. And then we'll take some calls to end the show if we have time. If not, I have some personal thoughts on sports broadcasting that have been driving me nuts. And that will be my uh, things I like at the tail end of the show. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome to Intermission. We'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Intermission. 
now entering quite frankly 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 we all support quite frankly quite frankly let's go brandon not quite Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? So we've been doing a lot of a lot of different uh, cleaning up over here at the studio, and uh, we we're just everybody was uh, everybody was uh, coming on in, looking at some things we're doing with the lighting in here. I came in here on Saturday with Lauren and Aurora. Anthony was here too in his room, so Lauren uh, Aurora got to go hang out with Uncle Anthony and all of his. Um, his guitars and keyboards and she loved that and we just we cleaned again getting ready getting ready for the holidays just gotta clean up tidy up I got rid of the monitor that's usually in front of Matt over here I don't know if you guys can see it hold on you see how there's nothing there anymore there's usually a monitor there we got rid of that monitor we have to fix up all of the all of the the wires and I added more lighting that we're going to be putting in there. So that should be nice little something something. And then uh, I got an air purifier for in here too to start running that overnight. To, so that you know the air is not so stale sometimes. Especially in the summertime when it, gets, when it gets pretty stuffy and all that crap. So air purification and we're remodeling out there. Then into the music room. Once the music room is out of the way I have to replace the computer in there for, for broadcasting. And then we'll be doing a lot more music streaming again, which I've been telling you for months, but it just keeps getting replaced by some other priority. Anyway, that's all part of the fourth quarter and into the first of next year. Let's see what's going on in our Super Chats. I hope the chat room out there, everybody just been hanging out and having a good time. It's always a great time when Rich is here. 18 minutes ago, Silky Johnson says, One day I was sitting in the backyard and a bird landed doing a little jumpy dance, so I set my phone down to watch and noticed another bird land near it. I didn't think much of it until I heard a strange sound coming out of it. It hacked my phone. See? You see? Albert Frederick says, Remember, kids, taxation is theft. Twitch chat is where the cool kids hang out. No such thing as an honest cop. Quite frankly, is the only show you should ever, uh, you should never miss and always make it a great day. Because the world don't give a fuck either way. That's our boy, Albert. Good to hear from Albert. Always good to hear from Albert. Mike and Robin says, drain the motherfucking swamp. Yes. Yes. It's more like a septic tank. 
Swamps have a ecological purpose, you know. This is a septic tank. Albert Frederick says, pretty sure that St. Michael Sasquatch is in his glory that you have extensively addressed Skinwalker Ranch. I heard Ralphie married a black trans and somehow had a Latinx boy and Somalian girl, a daughter, I guess. Pretty. They don't celebrate Christmas. What's that? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. It, maybe it is a Christmas story, but it's just ironic. Let's see where they go with this. Because everything that they modernize is always about uh, the old world, a perfect traditional old world gets smacked in the face, a cold water, a bucket of cold water of reality, the way the world really is. Everybody's dysfunctional. Everybody's dysfunctional. They're on pills. They, you know, moms are all just slaves who really want to be out getting banged by, uh, you know, uh, bartenders and just lush, just drinking like like lushes with the mascara bleeding down their head. Oh, train wreck, train wreck, train wreck. That's reality, kids. Listen, I maybe it is for some people. Some people live very messy lives. Um. People have occasional wild nights. Other people have wild nights every night. And then if they make it to their late 30s, they start a, they start a, a really painful cycle of reevaluation. I'm sure. I, I know. I know. I've had wild nights myself. But again, pattern recognition. What are all of the remakes and all the modern twists and all of the reboots all about? It's all about subverting the expectation of a time when the creators of the new piece of shit get to uh, get to push the message and mess up the pristine the pristine pristine coating of snow, just jump all over it, piss all over the place, and call it reality. Well, we're gonna get into that a little bit. Don't worry. One way mail says Frank here is the Midwest he or here in the Midwest We've been inundated with these spying stink bugs from China. They're gross and they're first and they are for sure spying and flying glad You uh, you are feeling better. Cheers. Thank you. I'm feeling much better Much better all of the mucus that was in my sinuses I'm still flushing it out from time to time, but it's no longer that horrible yellow color. You know what I'm talking about the infection is there and it's just yellow You're like oh man well thank god it's coming out and i'm you know the 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 um the whatchamacall the sprays and all that good stuff and now it's not yellow anymore so every now and then i get a tickle in my throat but it was a good weekend saturday was cool sunday was cool today was perfect Stostube, good Monday, Frank. Always a pleasure to start the week off with great independent media. You're the man, Christos and Sarah. The king and queen. Kala Patriot. This is from over the weekend. Please play mint chip British ice cream flavors and let us know how to find it, if not in the chat. Thanks. That uh, That's Justin Kurditz's. Kurditz's, I forget. Just, just search for Potion Seller. Search for the original Potion Seller. 
and uh, and you're going to find the the channel of all of Justin's greatest characters. He, he's an amazing character actor, and he makes it all with just a a webcam. Really, is a fan. It's there's so much there. The depth of the, some of those characters are incredible. Like I laugh a lot about the British ice cream guy, but there's something tragic about him. You know, mint chip, Oreo, oatmeal cookie crunch. You know, but he, he's going through all of these flavors and all of these toppings. But if you watch the longer, the longer skit there, you realize it's a guy who, who so, I don't know, he, he so badly wants to do something special for this customer and show this, this is all the wonderful gourmet, amazing, uh, aromatic, good stuff that we have here. Look, look at all of our flavors. Look at all of our toppings. What do you want me to create for you? And the person's just like, oh, I'll take vanilla. Uh, okay, well, do you want it in, what, what kind of a, a cup do you want it in? Do you want it in a, you know, a, a baseball cap? Do you want a, a waffle something, this and that, blah, 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 blah. Oh, just a regular cone then. Any toppings? No, oh, just, just plain vanilla. The fact that he went through all that stuff and he just, he wants to do something special. But all the person wants is a plain vanilla cone. There's something so tragic about that. Because then it makes you wonder about what his life away from the ice cream stand is like. Does he think about the ice cream when he's home? Does he think about his next day at work? Uh, you, you know, and um, is he able to break away from, you know, wh what's his life like? That is wonderful character writing. There's other, some very sad, deep character, and sad is not bad. Because it's human. Like the first one, the first video that that Justin kid who did Potion Seller, he got big for Potion Seller. But the first video he ever did was a video called Dolores. Dolores. And he's just talking to the camera as this character. He's an older guy who obviously lost his wife. She died. Her name was Dolores. And... He, you can just tell he's trying to keep a, he's trying to keep a positive view on life, a positive view on things, keep his head up and all that, but he misses her so, so much. So it's not always so fun, but it's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's, it's amazing. There's so much there in that, um, and every once in a while he'll pop up like maybe twice a year now, he'll pop up and, and give us a new, a new character. And, uh, I don't know, it, it hits all the right spots for me. Just saying. Okay, where are we going now? We're going over to say hello to everybody on Rockfin. Good to see you guys there. A few dozen people hanging out. We got about a thousand people or so hanging out on Rumble. Wonderful people. Love them all. No rumble rants there. Ladies and gentlemen, for many of you out there who are wondering, how can I send in a super chat? I want to send in super chats, but I want to avoid PayPal at all costs. If that is something you want to do, rumble rants. Uh, there's the Rockfin tips. There are the pilled gold pills over there on Foxhole, which is nestled on quitefrankly.tv. Remember, it's Monday night, so it is going to be Mystery Movie Monday on Quite Frankly. Hope you're all hanging out with us there. Um, but here we go. KDB says, hey, y'all. What's going on, Katie? Thank you, Sean Joe. Boys Blanc. I'm just going to shout these out. Sean Joe, again, always a great show. And Frankie, uh, when Frankie Tata's, and that's my name, Frankie Tata? 
That's because of... Is this all because of my boobs? For real? I'm not even wearing the blue shirt. I thought black was slimming. Anyway. Um... Frankie Tatas and Richie Big Data Barris get together. Doug Simmy, thank you. Fuck. P-H-U-C-K. Awesome show as always. Thanks, Frank. Paulie9363, Texas for Trump, and Central1234, you the best, they say. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, I want to jump into this because it's very important, and then we're going to take a break. And then we'll come back and we'll we'll clean up with some last minute things. Here's the first one. This was covered on Just the News. It was covered on Fox and uh, wherever your your preference is. Here's the headline: Child sex crime epidemic, K through 12, one arrest per day so far this year, as per one report. The question for critics who seek to downplay the extent of public school sexual abuse is this. How many arrests need to happen before you consider it a problem? With nearly 270 public educators arrested on child sex-related crimes in the first nine months of 2022, this is a largely hidden and widespread epidemic that is receiving far too little attention. The crimes range from grooming to raping underage students. According to Fox News Digital, this epidemic is averaging approximately one arrest per day, which means it's probably much, much worse. That's like you see one rat, and that means that the walls are infested. The number includes four principals, two assistant principals, 226 teachers, 20 teachers' aides, 17 substitute teachers, according to Fox News. Listen to this. Three-quarters of the arrests involved alleged crimes against the students. Men made up approximately 80% of the arrests, so almost a quarter for women. Among the most egregious examples cited is the case of Eugene Pratt, 57 years old, former principal, elementary school teacher, and coach who taught at-risk youth in multiple Michigan public schools. He was charged with first-degree criminal sexual conduct in August and stands accused of sexually assaulting at least 15 boys and young adult men over the course of his career. They definitely, don't want, they definitely don't like talking about this stuff when the assaults are homosexual in nature, which is why the, um, the Boy Scouts of America, are all of that crime has been handled with very, very delicate gloves. Very delicate gloves. The number of teachers arrested for child sex abuse is just the tip of the iceberg, much as it was for the Catholic Church prior to the widespread exposure and investigation by the early 2000s. Christopher Rufo, a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, said in a statement for the Fox News Digital, the best available academic research published by the Department of Education suggests that nearly 10% of public school students suffer from physical abuse between kindergarten and 12th grade. According to that research, the scale of sexual abuse in the public schools is nearly 100 times greater than that of the Catholic Church. I've been saying this for a long time. I didn't have any data to back it up, but based on what we've talked about in the past and based on how, the, how one institution is revered and one institution is reviled, that is public education, government departments, government education, and any kind of church and religious faith. I knew that this thing, this thing was, was probably horrible. 
The question for critics who seek to downplay the extent of public school sexual abuse is this. How many arrests need to happen before you consider it a problem? How many children need to be sexually abused by teachers before you consider it a crisis? According to the outlet, there are approximately 3.2 million public school teachers in the country, meaning that the arrests counted in this study, which were only those that were publicized, make up only about 0.009% of all teachers, but it also means that the actual number of crimes and victims is likely much higher. Now, um, horrendous, and it's just, it's just horrendous to think about. Now, people, I saw plenty of people asking, how does this suddenly happen? As if it could just suddenly happen. Well, allow me to bring you back to the year 2006. Let me bring to life a story that I first covered on this show back around 2011. Here it is. This is written by Hillary Profita, August 24th, 2006. National Review Online syndicated by CBS News. The headline is, Has Media Ignored Sex Abuse in Schools? John Carr isn't a priest. He's a teacher. Most teachers are dedicated, hardworking people who wouldn't dream of hurting a child. The same is true of priests. And both that is both very, very true. Very true. If the suspect in the 1996 murder of John Benet Ramsey were a priest, there would be a fresh outcry about decades-long cover-up in the Catholic Church. Commentators from left and right would rightly unite in decrying the crisis and the entrenched complacency that led to it. Catholic pundits would take a special relish in pointing out that they agree. The church had better get its act together. In any institution that has allowed children to be harmed by predators, it deserves to be taken to task for it. No institution should get a pass, and no profession should get a pass. Not preachers, not priests, not even teachers. Especially not teachers, and yet, consider the the, the statistics, and this is 2006. In accordance with a requirement of President Bush's No Child Left Behind, in 2002, the Department of Education carried out a study of sexual abuse in the school system. Hofstra University researcher Carol Shakeshaft looked into the problem, and the first thing that came to her mind when Education Week reported on the study were the daily headlines about the Catholic Church. Quote, think the Catholic Church has a problem, she said. The physical sexual abuse of children in schools is likely more than 100 times the abuse by priests. End quote. So in order to better protect children, did media outlets start hounding the worst menace of the school systems with headlines about nationwide teacher molestation cover-up and by asking, are ed schools producing pedophiles? No, they didn't. That treatment was reserved for the Catholic Church while the greater problem in the schools was ignored altogether. As the National Catholic Register reports, Wayne Lugerson points out, the federal report said that 422,000 California public school students would be victims before graduation, a number that dwarfs the state entire Catholic school enrollment of only 143,000. Yet during the first half of 2002, the 61 largest newspapers in California ran nearly 2,000 stories about sexual abuse in Catholic institutions, mostly concerning past allegations. During the same period, those newspapers ran four stories about the federal government's discovery of much larger and ongoing abuse scandal in public schools, where God has been driven out altogether. Perhaps John Carr will help change that. Now... 
I'm going to jump off there <clears throat> because then you got the question again. When did this suddenly happen? Well, it's always been this bad, it seems, for a while now. And people were just having far too much fun attacking one church or another, namely the Catholic Church, which is the biggest one out there, to realize it's far too much fun attacking the Vatican, even though it should be, um, to realize that the same evil, and I always talk about this, always talk about this, the very same evil that infiltrated the Vatican had infiltrated everything else as well. That connection is never made. And why is that? Well, number one, this is why Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano is um, partially, this is what he's talking about when he partially at least references that there is no separating the deep church from the deep state. That is, that's number one. But the other thing that happens, especially for the left, is that when you attack a church for its clergy's crimes, you can also project that out onto the faith at large and even use it to contest the very existence of God and God's authority. This is, see, this is a, a very, very integral thing. The Vatican and most departments and crevices of the, uh, the American government and its institutions like law enforcement, like uh, military intelligence, like education, they have all been infiltrated by the same thing. The same exact thing. And that right there is very politically pleasing for people because religious faith and tradition is a big hindrance for the progressives. Very big hindrance for the progressive, collective, communist, fascist left. It's a very huge thing. Because otherwise, they're mostly fine with the abuse. I mean, not all are, thankfully. And we said it's not all priests, it's not all teachers. But there are many who downplay it, they deny it. But what we know now, all these years later, and how public it's become, and how naked the problem has become, is that this kind of abuse and this kind of grooming uh, environment is what drives the entire system. It's encouraged and it's actually protected. I mean, look no further than libs of TikTok. If that was put out in the public by teachers that are, are proudly talking about their, their, their private parts with three, four, five-year-olds up until uh, God knows what, and it's it just they're just making the entire classroom about their personal fucking baggage, if that was done around 2006, that wouldn't have been dealt with. That, that would have been dealt with. And quickly. They definitely would not have felt confident enough about their job security to be able to put themselves out there because they are in themselves a special interest group. They're teachers of all types of sexual minorities and nobody's, nobody's willing to really do anything like that unless they catch you raping somebody. So um, you've got deranged public behavior that is largely applauded as brave in these circles. We see it. We think, what the fuck? But that's the way it is. Now, when I was working, when I was working in fitness, I also spent time not only with private clients, but also I spent years working at a local YMCA. And I would do fitness camps for teens during the summer. Uh, I would do private, semi-private sessions with people all ages over there at, at, the, uh, at the gym. But because the facility had just children in it, forget about all the programs that had children uh, inside of it, but because the, the, it had after school and there was children in the building, 
we had to do sexual abuse seminars every year. Every year. Usually at the end of the summer, like around August or so. And I did so many of those seminars that I pretty much knew the video by heart by the end. But anyway, all the things that you're taught that are red flags for sexual abuse are what the left have very confidently defended as perfectly healthy behavior in a classroom setting, especially over the last few years, okay? Especially, I, I mean, you expo here's, you know, exposing children to foul language, um, sexually explicit materials. A lot of these books that are, are circulated in some of these school systems are straight up child porn. I've seen some of this stuff now. They have like blowjob tutorials, uh, older man, younger boy relationships, things like this. Sexually explicit materials, cursing, dirty jokes, things like that. Those are grooming techniques, especially for younger kids. They're, they're grooming techniques because if, a, um, if an adult is using that kind of language and talking about that kind of stuff around children and with children, it makes the child feel that they're grown up. It makes them feel like they're special in some way to be included in such adult behavior when otherwise with other people they're treated like a child, like they're somebody's special friend now. And the other thing is that it actually acts as a form of blackmail for abusers because then they can drop onto, onto the kid, hey, uh, well, this stays between us. Um, I don't want to have to tell your parents that you said this or that or whatever. And you know, that may not sound a lot uh, like much to you and I, but for a child... To have that hanging over your head is a pretty heavy consequence. Your parents finding out about something like that or whatever, that's a pretty heavy consequence. It's actually used as a, a form of manipulation, control, blackmail at a young age. Um, in, in, in some places like the YMCA, when I was there at least, behind, being behind closed doors with a child for any reason... If the door closed and you're in there with a child, you, you could be putting a Band-Aid on a, on a bleeding knee. If the door closed and you're alone in the room with a child, you are instantly fired. That, that's just it. And then when you think about the kind of privacy and isolation that, oh, away from the parents, that teachers were demanding during 2020 when everybody went to schooling from Zoom and all that stuff, when the curriculum was made public and, uh, and, and everybody from college on down, well, not everybody, but very loud, vociferous voices, we, we saw them. They did not want the curriculum to be made known because they didn't want problems from prying parents. They wanted, they wanted their isolation with the children again, which is so odd. Why do you need to be alone with my child? I should be able to sit in the back of a classroom and not disturb anything. W what are you hiding? God knows what children hear and see every day, even on a subconscious level. So reading all this makes, makes no, it, it's not a surprise at all. Not a surprise at all. I've been saying for a while, you can say what you want about the Catholic Church and the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the hide a pedophile game that they've been doing, like whack-a-mole. And yeah, but if, if you understand where that came from, if you understand the, the infiltration, how it came there, why it was there, and where else it was implanted, and that it's all the same thing. It's just really interesting how one thing is completely set aside and the other thing is allowed to, to be hung out to dry in far more public ways because in, in, by attacking faith, you can go and attack the existence of God, 
by making it a, a, a hypocrisy. I don't know how many times I went to a, you know, I'm, I, I used to go to church and then I was abused by the priest. Why would God do this to me? Fuck this, fuck that. And I understand because when, when you traumatize somebody and you core them out like that and you just, you, you, it's like drinking bleach. It's a way of abusing faith and innocence and hope out of a person. It is insidious. It is an insidious plot. But it has been applied evenly. The coverage has not been applied evenly. Um, yes. Yes, indeed. So, so much going on there. Um, all right. Well, that's really it. That's really it for this end of things. I'm going to go on a really quick break. When we come back, I am going to uh, maybe some quick thoughts with the last five minutes. Don't go anywhere. Who is the better man? Okay. Dr. Martin Luther King? Mm -hmm. Stalin. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, these are the big questions. Mr. Gossi, I I know you're very busy, but um, can I have your autograph? Certainly. You know which movie of yours I love, Mr. Lugosi? The Invisible Ray. You were great as Karloff's sidekick. Karloff? Sidekick? Fuck you! Karloff does not deserve to smell my shit! That limey cocksucker can rot in hell for all I care! What happened? How dare that asshole bring up Karloff? You think it takes talent to play Frankenstein? It's all on makeup and then grunting. Bella, I agree 100%. Now, Dracula, that's a role that requires talent. Of course. Dracula requires presence. It's all in the eyes and the voice and the hand. That's right. That's right. You seem a little agitated. You want to go outside and get some air? Bullshit. I'm ready now. Roll the camera. Quite frankly, <laughs> yeah. Credit for one thing. You have because to give them credit. They're out in the open the now. They're out in the open now. They're not even trying to conceal it anymore. The owners of the country have, t- they bought their, ele- got their election. They said, we're going to get this election. We put you people in that court for a reason. Right, Now's back the time to, to pay Earth us. for you and now. Yeah, forget all that stupid, <laughs> will you? <laughs> <laughs> they're out in the open. They're, in they're, open- no- they're openly driving the bus, and we're all in the back. There is no, there is no national conspiracy to buy elections and control America. Now that's Talk about back to earth. Conspiracy, but you don't need a formal conspiracy right. when interests converge. These people went to the same universities oh, and please. fraternities. They're on the it's, same it's boards simple. of directors. They're on the same country clubs. They have like interests. They yes. don't need to call a meeting. They know what's good for them. It's a and company. they're getting it. And there Is used there, to be this... seven oil companies. There are now three. It will soon be two. The things that matter in this country have been reduced in choice. There are two political parties. There are a handful of insurance companies. There are about six or seven inf- information things. But if you want a bagel, there are 23 flavors because you have the illusion. You have the illusion of choice. Right. You don't get the real important choice. There's no freedom of choice.
So there's no time for calls tonight. But I do want to vent a little bit. Do you mind? Do you mind? I have a couple of minutes here. I don't think the Yankees are even going to play tonight. Uh, seems like the the rain that is coming through here is not going to... I, I can't see them starting a game after 9.30. I bet you any money that they're going to force them into a 1 o'clock game tomorrow, another 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 day, uh, day game, uh, because now the ALCS, the championship series, is starting for everybody else tomorrow, and here we are, got saddled with the most stupid, stupidest game schedule I have ever seen. Everybody's free... Anyway, I got to talk about something that's broadcast related, but it's sports related. You don't even need to be a uh, you don't need to be a sports fan. You don't need to watch any of this stuff. I don't care what you're boycotting and I, whatever. I just want to vent. It is the last couple of minutes of the show. It's things I like. In this case, things I don't like so much. It's really bigger than baseball for me. It's just a story of how obnoxious people in the media are. There is nothing else they can provide that is worthy of discussion, especially when they're doing play-by-play for a a, a game like baseball. So we get drowned in things, drowning in useless stats. I saw them putting up something, the probability of somebody getting a hit the farther they go down into their count. It's 2-2. Now the probability of getting a hit is 37%. What the fuck is this? This This is not the World Series of Poker. It could be 0-2. You see the ball, you hit the ball. It's very simplistic. It's very simple. But that's nothing. We've been getting drowned in stat, stat cast. He hit that ball at 110 miles an hour. Oh, yeah? Does the home run count any different if it leaves the yard at 110 miles an hour or if it floats over at 101? This stupid bullshit. But it's getting so invasive with the reporting now. Now, for example, my generation was probably the first generation, the first sexting generation, all right? We could take pictures with phones in around, around 2003 or something like that, and then it was all over. Everybody's in the bathroom bending over, and that's just what's going on here. That's just what was going on for my generation. It started. Well, do you remember all those young mistakes you've made? Well, you get to that point in the sexting where you're, with, you're talking to someone and it's just like, all right, well, we already flashed each other from several different angles and uh, we already said what we'd like to do to each other. Now what? Now what? Nothing. It's actually pretty pointless. There's absolutely nothing. You, you've done it all. That's it. It's fucking stupid to think about all the time. I, wait. I, I could have been jogging or something. I don't know. Anyway, why did I bring that up? Because that's what's going on with sports broadcasting. You can't reinvent the wheel. They're trying to to reinvent the wheel by finding new ways of making a a baseball game watchable. There's only so much that's going on. They now have reporters sitting inside the dugout. They have reporters sitting inside the dugout during a game, in the middle of a game, waiting to talk to players and managers who I'm surprised that nobody's saying, what the hell are you doing? Get the hell out of here. Get out of here, you weirdos. They have camera crews following players as they walk up to the plate, following players as they walk up to the mound, circling around them so they can get these these, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean swirling shots of them like they're Titans or something. And, And they're just throwing balls and hitting balls with bats. I love the game, but it's, it's, 
incredible. It's incredible. I have a couple of things here. This guy, Ken Rosenthal, he, he, he's a broadcaster with Fox. He's this little stumpy Jewish guy, you know, not, not, not really, you know, doesn't, he, he, his little signature thing is the, the, the bow tie and, and, you know, he just shows up and he does his little thing, his little dance and that's it. He's not necessarily off-putting in any way, shape or form, but suddenly I'm watching the Phillies game. The Phillies are playing the Braves on Saturday and, um, and the Phillies are doing really well and Brandon Marsh He's the outfield, one of the outfielders for the Phillies. He, he hits a three-run home run, which is really all the Phillies needed at that point to win the game. But he, as soon as he rounds the bases, Ken Rosenthal is in the dugout waiting to talk to you. You've got to see this. Hold on a second. Ready? And a huge, so, huge blow for the Philadelphia Phillies. So there's the home run. Charlie for two straight now he's in the dugout. Look. Look, Brandon, three-run homer. What? What was it like going around the bases? What was it like going around the bases with your three-run home run that probably launched you into the championship series? A game is going on. I would say, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing here? No, I'm not talking to you. He's like a stalker. We need to get Ken inside the dugout. This is like going back to the to the sexting days. It's like okay. I already showed you everything. I already told you what I'd like to do to you. There's nothing else I can do. Do you want to see the inside of me? I can go get an endoscopy. You want to see my esophagus? I can get an endoscopy and a colonoscopy, and I can send you the, the, the camera footage. Would that turn you on? Like, that is what broadcasting for, for sports is like now. There's nothing else you can do. And Bob Costas. The Yankees have Bob Costas. This, the, this series between the Yankees and Cleveland, Bob Costas is doing the play-by-play, and it is insufferable. Absolutely insufferable. I, like, I actually like Bob Costas. Uh, I, I think that he has a good speaking voice, and I, I think he's, pretty, he's, a, he's, a, pretty, he's a pro. But the, the story time with Grandpa Bob around the fireplace needs to stop so i it actually makes me miss joe buck i miss joe buck even though i want them all to shut the hell up someone put it perfectly someone put it perfectly on twitter the other day i don't know who the hell said it he said uh if you want an example this is what it's like listening to bob costas narrate a a baseball game he he put up a 41 (laughs) a 41 second compilation of jonathan frakes have you ever had the desire to write your initials in wet cement Ever gone mountain biking? What do you want to be when you grow up? What's the right tip? Have you called a plumber to your home lately? How superstitious are you? How much money would it take to make you spend a night in a cemetery? Would you display this as a trophy? Do you have a pet? Do you have a sweet tooth? Do you believe in the power of a curse? Have you had your hearing tested lately? Planning a trip soon? Can you remember the tallest man you've ever seen? Do you love to go a-wandering beneath the clear blue sky? Have you noticed what big stars real estate agents have become? Are you careful with your personal records? Does your computer ever seem to have a mind of its own? Have you ever visited a Chinatown section in a major city? Have you ever visited a flea market? Have you ever visited a truck stop? Did you ever have a job as a waiter? Have you noticed how many successful restaurants are theme-based? These. <laughs> it's just really what it is. It's non-stop. It is non-stop. They got... Mike Francesa, you remember me and, and uh, Matt were sitting here, we're listening to people prank Ma- Mike Francesa, a, uh, a, a pretty famous New York sports radio 
uh, talk talk personality. Well, he went off on Bob Costas the other day. I don't even know where. where oh, he has a podcast now. I know he's not on air. But listen to this. Bader got a home run. So you got three home runs. You use the power. Costas, who will not be quiet no matter what. Listen, Costas has just, I don't know, he thinks that I guess every word is golden because he just will not shut up. Everything's a history lesson. We don't need a history lesson every two seconds. Okay? Everybody's a Yankee fan. They have Yankee history. They understand Yankee history. They know it backwards and forwards. This is not a history class. It's a baseball game. Be quiet. Do the game. He's driving everybody crazy. <laughs> I love that last line. He's driving everybody crazy. Somebody on Twitter, there's a couple of people on Twitter who were writing in like the style of how Bob Costas just goes on and on about things, needs to fill the dead air, loves the sound of his voice. You can say, Frank, well, you're in, you're, I mean, your job is talking, too. You must like all the sound of your voice, too, and talking and filling dead air. Like, well, yeah, but I mean, we're, we're doing a talk show. That, the, the, the conversation is the focal point. I'm telling you, it is a very easy thing to do baseball play-by-play. Very easy thing. You are watching the game. There's very little you need to say. You should dial it back, let the, play, the, the game play out, listen to the sounds of the stadium, shut the hell up. Be there for support. If there's a controversial play, analyze it. Talk a little history. Crack a little joke. Go study Phil Rizzuto. You want to find somebody who is able to be a little bit affable and personal without just destroying your will to live. Do something like that. This one guy, Fitzy Mopena, was writing in the style, in the in the the uh, the spirit of Bob Costas, and he was talking. He was showing how between Bob Costas and Ron Darling, one of the Mets broadcasters who I actually really like, um, th- there is just such a disparity between the two. Where Darling is just giving you little one-liners and and supporting the 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 broadcast with with you know very short, terse, and to the point commentary about what's happening in the game. And here's Costas. While it may seem like a joyous night for the fans on the banks of Lake Erie, the unfortunate truth remains, it is indeed possible that the Zodiac Killer, who has yet to be officially caught, could be among the Cleveland fans. Ron Darling adds to the mix, I think he held his swing there. That's really what it's like the entire time. There's another one I saw that I thought was so awesome. A baby is shown on screen, like somebody brought a baby to a game. Bob Costas, the mind still developing. She does not know all her life leads to the inevitable arrival of death. The batter looks at strike three. Bob Costas again, unless we too are seated at the right hand. Ron Darling, he went back to the cutter on the 2-2. That's exactly what it's been like. That's exactly what it's been like. One soliloquy after another. But I don't know if they just, if they just need to make especially with baseball, they're trying to turn it into American Idol because it's not really a, I love it, but it can be a leisurely, time-consuming game. And then it gets incredibly tense and incredibly exciting. And then you're back to leisurely again and, and it could be a nice relaxing day in May, listening to it on the radio, and it could be a nail-biting heart attack ready to happen in the middle of September and October. And I love that ebb and flow. I really do. But they're trying to turn the sport into something it's not, trying to give it like, like speed that it does not have. 
uh, they're turning into American Idol, where everybody had we every girl reporter that they bring on the staff at FS1 or somewhere else. They have to. They are assigned to go prepare stories about how every relief pitcher, every starter, every pinch hitter, they used to spend their summers at the lake with their parents when they were young, catching fish and dreaming about baseball. Who fucking gives a shit? Every game is the biggest, and every player involved was seemingly chosen by fate. It's so ridiculous. So I got that off my chest. It's not over yet. We'll see whenever the hell the Yankees play. But if they play tomorrow, they'll lose. I'm pretty sure if they have to play tomorrow at 1 p.m., they'll lose. They're terrible at day games in playoffs. Will I put my money on it? No. But I'll just tell you what my gut is saying. Anyway, thank you guys and gals. Thank you, Rich Barris. Tomorrow's another day. Bill Ottman will be in studio. We'll have some good times then. And the week rolls on. Uh, It's been a pleasure. And uh, let me go make sure I have gotten everybody in with the Super Chats. Silky Johnson. with Oh, this is 14 minutes ago. This is new. Frank, if I ran things, I would bring back the Roman arena. After fair trial, of course, all of the groomers, pedos, and mutilators would be sentenced to fight in the arena. I know it seems cruel, but I have no sympathy, and we need strong deterrence. Uh, you probably find a lot of support for that in the, in the chat rooms. A lot of support indeed. Let's see what else we have here. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody in the uh, the Rumble. Thank you, everybody over there. Squickly and Mazington, right on, Frank. Perfect Monday, says Squickly. Linda Love, hello, Frank. Hello, Linda. Curious Patriot, love you, bro. All the butch love. All butch love, don't worry. Oh, I'm not worried. Send me your best. And it's Monday night. I hope you enjoy what the boys at the network have ready for you as soon as I depart in just a moment. So with that, thank you again. And have yourself a wonderful Monday evening. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Silky Johnson, Albert Frederick, Mike and Robin, Albert Frederick, One Way Mel, Stostube, and Kala Patriot. Cannot wait for tomorrow, my friends. Thank you so much for tonight. Become a sponsor at quitefrankly.tv, the Sponsor Us tab. It's waiting for you, and get in that forum. Get in that forum and contribute to some of the greatest threads we have going. See you tomorrow. Quite frankly, TV, I'll see you in the chat room. <laughs>